Amen, amen. You guys enjoy worship? Good, hey. Like I said earlier, I was just backstage and I look at a sea of students raising their hands, worshiping Jesus. That is so powerful. I want want to let you guys know that so much more than just lifting your hands to Jesus when you sing, how much more powerful will it be if we actually choose to live in obedience to him? Amen? Amen. So today, I'm going to be talking about missions, missions, and oftentimes, I think I just hop right into this, this sermon, this seminar, whatever you want to call it, without really explaining what missions is. And a lot of you guys maybe have grown up in the church, you kind of have this, this idea of what it means to be uh, a missionary or to be in another country sharing the gospel. And so uh, today I'm going to kind of discuss what it truly means to be on mission. Um, and if you guys have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be in Matthew 28 verse 19 and we'll start there. Matthew 28 verse 19 Here's what it says. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm going to say that again. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the what? The end of the age. Jesus is with us. Let me pray for us. We'll hop right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I'm thankful for these students. God, just even being able to see them worship you is such an encouragement to my heart. To see them singing, worthy is your name. God, you are worthy, and we recognize that. God, the the reason that we're even here alive and breathing is because of you. When we look out at this expanse of the mountains and the trees, we recognize that you have created it. God, and we get to sit here in this chapel and just sing to you and worship you and recognize that you are in control. God, that you have created it all. So I don't know what, what these students might be going through, counselors, youth pastors. God, the last few years have been hard. And so, God, as we, as we read your word, I pray that you would enlighten us. God, it wouldn't be my words, God, that they would be yours. And through the Holy Spirit, God, that you would soften hearts this morning, God. Challenge these students. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish this movie quote for me. With great power comes. With great power comes. You guys know what that's from. You guys know exactly what that's from. And it's funny, and here's the thing. Here's what's funny, and this is a hot take, and I and I know you know counselors here last week heard this, but the Toby Maguire Spider-Man is by far the greatest Spider-Man of all time. And it's not even close. And some of you guys are like, dude, like, no, like, uh, Tom Holland's a better Peter Parker, though. I'm like, what is the difference? I'm just a fire starter over here. 
No, and then Green Goblin, Green Goblin, William Defoe, greatest superhero villain of all time as well. He's amazing. Um, but I love Spider-Man. I love that quote. And part of the reason I love that quote is because it depicts what it actually means to have responsibility. That when you're given this, this power, this thing that not a lot of other people have, you then have a responsibility to usher it well. And so Spider-Man, as he's going through this change, and as he's figuring out, like, man, I have these powers, he recognizes in himself that he actually has this immense responsibility. What is he going to do with it? And I love those words partly because when we read Scripture, we recognize in Romans 1.16, it says, I am unashamed of the power of of the gospel for it, I am unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. And so you and I, for those of us that trust Jesus, that have surrendered our lives to Jesus, that call him king, we now need to live a life of surrender to him. And part of what that means is sharing this good news with others. And a lot of this a lot of us have this idea that when we become a Christian or when we accept Jesus Christ or we don't accept Jesus Christ, we surrender to Jesus Christ. When we surrender to him, life looks like just going to church every Sunday, going to youth group during the weeks and maybe having a small group. And the truth is, is that Christ, Jesus has called us to so much more than that. And I think one of the greatest lies that your generation might hear, and it was my generation also that heard this, was that like the Christian life is boring. And that couldn't be further from the truth. When you live a life of surrender to Jesus Christ, he is going to call you into situations that you're not ready for. And my hope and prayer is that you guys would understand this. That you're not just called, when you're a Christian, called to go to youth group. That you're actually called to be a witness to a lost and dying world. And so as we read this, I want to point out a few things to you guys to help kind of illuminate what I'm trying to say. Here's what it says. It says, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. If you go there, it says, go therefore, make disciples. Where are disciples made? Where do, we, where do we make disciples? We make them at our local church. Where else does it say, what else does it say? It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where do we baptize people? We baptize people at the local church. And at the very end, it says, teaching them. Where do we teach God's word? We teach it at the local church. Friends, if you are a part of the local church, I'm going to remind you that you are on mission for Christ. And that Jesus' plan for redemption, plan to seek and save the lost, relies upon the local church. So you might be looking at all these maybe missionary organizations that go across the world to these different places, and it's true. They're so important. Global missions is so important. And I hope you guys understand that. And we'll get into that in a little bit, why global missions is important. But I want to lay into you guys, and you guys get this. Like, I know you guys are junior hires, but Timothy 4.12 says, you do not look down on him. Do not let people look down on you because you are young. You guys are young, but you get this. And I want you guys to get this. Because as I, as I look out, I was a junior hire once as well. 
And I realized that the next like seven years of my life just flew by. They just fly by. And you are in the most unique season of your life where you're surrounded by friends, that you're in classes with students, and you're surrounded by so many people. And it's so different even as you kind of get out of college and you get into college, life becomes a slightly more private in a way. Like you, you have your work buddies and maybe you go and you have your, you know, your buddies in college. But the truth is, is that when you're in high school, you are surrounded by so many people. It is such a unique time in life. And like I said, it flies by. As I look back on my high school years, it's like a blur. And oftentimes I'm left asking the question, what difference did I make? for the kingdom of God? Was I truly sold out for the gospel? Was I in his word day in, day out? And did I let his word fuel my passion to share the good news with other people? And oftentimes it didn't. And so I'm here pleading with you guys to take this seriously because you are in such a unique time in your life. But back to kind of what I was saying, the local church is God's plan for redemption. We see oftentimes missionaries going across seas, spending time in these third world countries, sharing the gospel with people that haven't heard it before. But you guys want to know a quick fact? The growest, or the, the fastest growing Christian population in the world is happening where? It's happening in China. And China happens to be one of the greatest persecuting nations against Christians in the world. How is that happening? How, how is China growing in such vast numbers? How, how is faith reaching out? How are people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in China when it is so persecuted against and the truth is, is it's not our own doing, it's, it's God. God is doing a work in China. And yet we're here in the United States and we have everything we need. And we, we, we call this whole COVID thing, this thing that happened in the last three years, we're like, this is persecution. We're getting persecuted as the church. We're not allowed to meet or whatever. No. Guys, we have everything we need. We have everything. And oftentimes we look at these other places and we say, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. Yet we go back to our our regular distractions, to our schools, to our jobs, and we forget the fact that there are those that are heading towards their eternal destinies around us. So my encouragement to you guys this morning is to recognize that here in America, you are more distracted and I, I, I don't know this, but I'm pretty sure that you are more distracted than most other places in the world. And when you hear the gospel, when you, when you ask somebody about, maybe share the gospel with them, they might say, well, it just means to be a good person. Well, it just means that you need to just love Jesus, and that's the gospel. And my heart aches for this generation because we live in this world where, where, where Christianity is intermingled sometimes with culture and it's becoming less and less that way. But we have this thing called cultural, cultural Christianity. And you guys, people become Christians just in virtue of the fact they go to church. But the, the truth is, is that you need to know the truth of God's word. 
you need to you need to know what this says. Because if you don't, then how will we know what to share with others? The gospel is this, and you guys will hear it tonight. But God saves lost sinners, and he did it by dying on a cross. What does that mean for us? It means that we're all in the same boat. Like I said last night, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus Christ. And you might be sitting here hearing this from me, maybe wondering, have I recognized that in my own heart? And tonight we'll go through that. But I want to encourage you guys with this. That unless you go and you share with your friends the true gospel, what it means to follow Christ, surrender your entire lives to Christ, they won't know. They might live their whole life thinking that being a Christian is going to church or that being a Christian is just doing the right things. And I hope that you guys take what you learn this weekend down the hill and share with those that do not know the truth, that are maybe misguided in what what they understand the gospel to be. There's a lot of misconceptions about what what a life on missions means. It means that you sell everything and you go to the bush and you share the gospel there or you, you help in humanitarian efforts, you feed them. And all those things are amazing. And we have people that have come from here, Hume Lake Christian camps that have gone out into the world to share the gospel. And we pray for them and they are doing the Lord's work. They are working for the kingdom of God. But we forget we live in a nation that is so distracted that if you ask most people on the street what the gospel is, they'll give you an answer that's not actually found in God's word. So what do we do with that? What is your generation going to do with that? It starts by this. It starts by getting into God's word and letting that fuel your passion for him. Listen, to think that you are going to go down this hill and fight every temptation and all of a sudden be bold in everything that you do and sharing the gospel with everyone without spending time in God's word, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jesus, in the book of Mark, was led into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. And the devil came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, turn these loaves or turn these rocks into loaves of bread. And what does Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus himself, the savior, the son of God, relied upon God's word to fight temptation. And so as you guys head down this hill to think that you guys don't need this is a big mistake. And so as you guys head down the hill, one of the things, you guys need to be spending time in God's word. Also, you guys need to be plugged in, what I was just talking about, into your local church. That is where God is redeeming and saving the lost. Your youth pastors are on mission. Your counselors are on mission. Your senior pastors are on mission. My hope and prayer is that they're sharing the true gospel with those that don't know it. And, and the last thing I'll say is this. You guys, as you guys head down the hill, 
you guys might have the misconception that everybody around you in your schools and in your churches has heard the gospel, have, have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And you've probably heard this saying a lot in your life. Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. When necessary, use words. My question to you is this. When is it not necessary to use words when communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ? You need to be communicating the gospel with, with, with your friends. It doesn't work to just live a good life. It doesn't work to just say, I'm a Christian. It's like, I, I, I love Jesus. It's, I'm a nice person. I, I, I tithe. I give money. Or I, am a, I go to church every Sunday. It doesn't work like that. Where in the Bible does it say, you just need to be a good person and then people will be saved? That's, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. If you guys turn to Romans 10, Romans 10. Sorry, trying to find the, trying to find the verse. Um, oh yeah, Romans ten fifteen. Here's what it says. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Right before that, in verse 14, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how then, and how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's a hypothetical question. The answer is, they won't. They won't know unless somebody tells them. And for those, of the, for those that, that don't know Jesus Christ, that are not surrendering their lives to them, are heading to an eternity apart from him. Maybe you haven't heard that before. Maybe that's something new. But I want to be just straight up and honest with you guys. A life without Jesus Christ and knowing him and surrendering to him and recognizing that he paid the penalty of your sin. A life without him means that you are heading into an eternity in hell. Away from him. Away from the presence of the almighty Lord. You will be there forever. And that is for everybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And so I know you're young. And I know you have a lot of life to live but hear me out when I say this. You are not too young to share the gospel with your friends. The Bible says it is so simple that even a child can understand it. And you guys are not children. You guys don't just get to live and be nice people and people will be saved. You have to share the gospel with them. And my encouragement to you is to grow in your knowledge of the word, to spend time at your church and in your youth groups with your youth pastors. If you ever have questions about what this says, ask them. And they'll point you in the right direction. We're going to end this time in a time of prayer. And I'd ask that you guys would 
We're going to meet up with your churches. Or, and if you don't want to meet up with your church, you can meet up with your small groups or with your cabins. And I want to ask you guys to do this. I want you guys to pray that God would use you to change your communities. That God would use you to share the gospel with those that do not know it. That your passion for the Lord would take you guys out of just the four walls of your church. And that you guys would be ready to share the gospel with your schools, with your sports teams, with everybody that that surrounds you day in and day out. Because like I said, you are in such a unique time in your life. And how amazing would it be if you guys banded together and you said, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm fired up. I don't just want to live a life, a Christian life on the sidelines, spending all my time at youth group, all my time at church, and just hearing about the word of God. I want to get into it. I want to read the word of God. I want to share the word of God with those that do not know it. And so if you guys see anybody, guys gather together, we're going to enter a time of prayer. And after that, we're going to enter a time of worship. Let me just pray for us before we head into that time. Heavenly Father, I, um, I thank you that, the, that your word doesn't return void. God, that every time we open up the word of God, the Bible, that you speak through it. And that, that your Holy Spirit helps us to understand what it says. And God, even, even just in this moment as we pray... God, I pray that it wouldn't just be an emotional time. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be a time, another time or a transition. But God, that we would actually pray that you would fill us with your boldness to go and preach the gospel, the good news to those that do not know it. And Lord, I pray for those that feel maybe even as young as they are, that feel called to global missions to go to places that have no access to the word of God, that have no access to the gospel, and share the gospel with those that have not heard any version of it, that they would share the true gospel with those. God, we need more people willing to die to themselves in these coming generations. I pray that you would burden their hearts. God, that you would give them a passion for your word. But not only that, you would give them a love for people. God, in loving people is telling them the truth. It's not avoiding the truth. You don't tell a, a really sick person they're fine over and over again. You don't tolerate their sickness. You tell them exactly what's wrong. So God, I, I pray that you would give them boldness. I pray that you would be with them. And um, I pray for this time, God, as we lift up these prayers to you. God, we know that you hear them. We know that you hear the calls of our hearts. You have made them for such a time as this. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen.